This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I got a good show for you guys today. Apologies again about not getting an episode out last Friday. Schedule's been kind of hectic, but I'm starting to settle it down, so the consistency that you've come to expect on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast is going to be the consistency that you can come to expect now for the Hockey Hotbed. Once again, apologies about last Friday, but we have a good show for you today. I'm hoping to make up for it. With some great hockey talk here on this Tuesday afternoon. We're at the quarter pole of the NHL season. And while I won't dive into the entire league just yet, I do want to discuss two things in the later segments here of this show that are pretty interesting at the quarter pole. One thing, the New York Islanders. They're a team that I finally jumped on the bandwagon this year. And they just have disappointed through and through. So we'll talk about the New York Islanders at the quarter pole. Then we're going to talk about the grade eight. You know, I don't think he's getting enough credit, which is kind of hard to believe at this point. But we'll talk about that at the latter portion of this show. We're going to start it off with a coast-to-coast segment going across the entire NHL looking at the top storylines from this past week. And it has been a hectic one across the National Hockey League. Starting in Montreal, massive news coming out late Sunday afternoon that the Montreal Canadiens have fired general manager Mark Bergevin after over a decade at the helm in the Blue Blanc and Rouge. So the fact that the Habs at this point fire Bergevin. Listen, things haven't gone well for the Habs since being in the Stanley Cup Finals last season. But they were in the Stanley Cup Finals last season. I mean, come on. This has to be. And I didn't do the stats on it, and I should have. But I felt like it was going to take very long. This has to be the first time a general manager in the NHL has been straight up fired within six months of taking his team to the Stanley Cup Finals. It has to be. If not, I mean, I would love somebody out there to go find that fact for me and let me know if there's another one. But the fact that Mark Bergevin was fired within six months of having the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Final. Yes, they were outmatched against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But listen, they had a lot of very important series wins last year. They beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first matchup in probably over, what, two decades? That's a huge win. They sweep the Winnipeg Jets. That's a nice confidence booster there, beating another Canadian team. And then they beat the Vegas Golden Knights. A huge upset win in the Stanley Cup semifinal to advance to the final two. So yes, absolute craziness from Montreal last year, and less than six months from that historic and amazing run, and the general manager, Mark Bergevin, is out. The assistant general manager was also out, and so was the director of communications, so almost not a clean sweep of the front office there, but a lot of names starting to drop if you're the Montreal Canadiens. There were rumors last year that Mark Bergevin's time in Montreal was coming to an end, but that wasn't on the Habs part. That was on Bergevin's part. I mean, I can only imagine trying to be the general manager 
of probably the most historic franchise in the National Hockey League. I mean, they lead NHL history in Stanley Cups by a long shot. Most of them were when they were only six teams. But still, they have that history. You have the the names in history, Ken Dryden, Rocket Richard. You have, I mean, now you have even Carey Price, who's a current legend. I mean, he's having his own situation, but he's starting to return to the ice. But there's got to be a lot of pressure there. And that's, I think, what Bergevin was feeling whenever there were rumors that he might walk last season. After 10 years in Montreal, it might have worn down. COVID pandemic, that doesn't help it either. But he stuck around. They go on that run and you think, okay, maybe all is well in Montreal. And then out of nowhere, this news hits the wire. Mark Bergevin out as general manager for the Montreal Canadiens. And a concurrent move, the Habs hired Jeff Gorton as the vice president of hockey operations. So they add former New York Rangers front office head Jeff Gorton to start to kind of picture together what the future of the Montreal Canadiens is. And they're on the hunt for a new general manager. Now, the one caveat that disqualifies me, not the fact that I'm not actually a hockey general manager, but the fact that I don't speak French and English. and I'm not able to communicate in both languages. That disqualifies me, unfortunately. I was going to throw my hat in the ring, guys, but uh, I, I just I don't know French. I took five years of Spanish, and I still don't really even know Spanish, so... Uh, the linguistics is not a strong suit of mine unless it's in the English language, unfortunately. I wish I knew more. Uh, honestly, I wish I knew Greek because I'm more than 50% Greek. So I, w- I wish I knew that. And that's all on me, but oh well. The Montreal Canadiens this year have had a really bad season. I mean, they had a bad offseason as well, which could point to why Bergevin is on the outs there. I mean, after taking a team to the Stanley Cup Finals... There was a lot of turnover. He lost a lot of good players for a lot of bad reasons. I mean, Jasperi Kakaniemi getting offer sheeted by Carolina is all because Bergevin was not able to really strike a deal with Kakaniemi until Don Waddell and the Hurricanes got ballsy and decided to actually drop the pen on it. So, I mean, rough offseason for the Habs. And now they're 6-16-2. A bad start to the season. It didn't help that, obviously, the captain, Shea Weber, they don't even know if he's going to play anymore. Carey Price missed the beginning of the season. He's just getting back into it in a four-step process for the Canadiens. It was nice to see him on the ice on Tuesday, but at the same time, crazy times for the Montreal Canadiens. Let's move on to another Eastern Canada city and talk about the Ottawa Senators because I know a lot of people had higher expectations for the Sens this year. Uh, Last year, they finished in fifth in the North Division. They finished really, really hot as well. They had a really good end of the season that was promising, and you saw some of their young players start to put it together, and you thought, okay, now it's time for them to take the logical step. Basically what we expected, and I'll throw myself into that too, I expected a better start from the Ottawa Senators. Basically what we expected from the Senators is what we're seeing from the Red Wings. The Red Wings have gotten off to a really good start when they weren't expected to. Basically them and Anaheim have both done the same thing. Young team. That has kind of put it together a little quicker than everybody expected. We'll see if they can hold on throughout the rest of the season. But so far in the quarter mark, it's pretty good. The Senators were expected to be that team. They are not that team. And then the latest news out of Ottawa. After the COVID shutdown, they're placing goaltender Matt Murray. They did place. I'm not. They're not even placing. They placed Matt Murray, two-time Stanley Cup champion, on waivers. Not only did they place him there, he cleared waivers and he is now sent down to the AHL Belleville. That's crazy to me. I mean, 
They traded for him prior to last season. So it's not like he's had a lot of time there. He's dealt with injuries. He had a rough first season there. They expected, okay, he'll bounce back. He's Matt Murray. He's a Stanley Cup champion, a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He'll bounce back. He'll be better for us. Well, he hasn't been. Hence the reason that he's playing in the American Hockey League right now. That's a big yikes if you're the Ottawa Senators. If you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, you say, okay, looks a little bit better that Jim Rutherford kept Tristan Jari. He was the NHL's second star of the week last week. He's had three shutouts in his last six games and has allowed no more than one goal in any of those last six games. Meanwhile, Matt Murray is in the minors. So if you're a Penguins fan, this looks good. And you're like, okay, well, we got rid of Murray. We got Jonathan Gruden, who's in the AHL, and we got a second-round pick. Not awful. Not an awful return for an AHL player. <laughs> if you're the Senators, you're saying, okay, well, we didn't give up too much, but holy crap, can we can we catch a break here? Can we get that guy to actually play well? Unfortunately, not right now. We'll see what happens, what their plan is for Matt Murray. I'm sure it's just to try to gain his confidence, let him play well in the AHL. But they're also pretty committed to their two young goaltenders. Another former Penguin, Philip Gustafson, he's starting to catch fire. And then also, I believe they have Philip Broberg as well up there. So they're committed to their young goaltenders. I'm not sure how much longer Matt Murray is safe in the Ottawa Senators organization. As of right now, he's dwindling in the AHL. We'll see if he gets another shot at all this season. The last story I want to talk about in this coast-to-coast segment here on the Hockey Hotbed. Thanks again for tuning in here at the Hockey Hotbed, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. The last thing I want to talk about, the San Jose Sharks. They place Evander Kane on waivers. So as if the week has not been crazy enough, the Habs fire Mark Bergevin, one of the most outspoken and one of the most widely known general managers across the NHL. The Senators place two-time Stanley Cup champion goaltender Matt Murray on waivers. He clears, and he's in the AHL. And now the Sharks place Evander Kane on waivers. We were expecting something to happen here as he is just finishing up his 21-game suspension handed down by the NHL for producing a fake COVID vaccination card. This guy just can't stay out of the news for the wrong reasons. It all has been quiet on the front, obviously, because he hasn't been playing. He's been serving his suspension. But now that his suspension is up, the 21 games has been served for that. We didn't know what the Sharks were going to do. It We expected, you know, I don't think they want him back in that locker room. I don't know if the players want him back in that locker room. There was a report earlier in the year that came out about that. So Evander Kane once again finds himself on the outs in an organization. He is now fully vaccinated. According to reports, he did go and get the vaccination. So the fake COVID vaccination card. Tried it once, didn't work. Finally decided to actually get the vaccine. So he is vaccinated. So he has that going for him, right? I mean, it seems like he had a little bit of remorse and he did did what he, he believed and what I think most of the NHL believes was the right thing after lying about it. He did get a new agent. So he's trying to turn over a new leaf. He's trying to out with the old and with the new. Dan Milstein now represents him. He said he's looking to facilitate a trade for him. But what are the potential destinations for a guy with his off-the-ice issues and a contract that spans four more years at $7 million a clip? That's a massive contract. Not to say that Evander Kane is not a good NHL player. Because he is. He really is. Let me let me pull up his stats here. But Evander Kane has been a 20-goal scorer for, I believe, at least the last six seasons. And that's with both the San Jose Sharks. Every year with the Sharks, he scored over 20 goals. And dating back to when he played for the Winnipeg Jets. 
And if you look at it, the guy's never scored under 10 goals. And he has had 20 goals every year dating back to the 2015-16 season. Sorry, not with Winnipeg, but with Buffalo. With Winnipeg, he only scored 20 goals once, and that was a 30-goal season 2011-12. This guy's been around since 2009-2010. But he has been a pretty consistent goal scorer. So he has the talent. He has the ability to put the puck in the back of the net where there are many teams right now that would like to have that in their middle six, top six, first line even. But you look at some of the other issues. Three years ago, he had 153 penalty minutes. Two years ago, he had 122. Last year, he got it down to 42 in only 56 games. But that is a that is a worry for a guy you're paying $7 million a year. You don't want him in the box for over 120 minutes a season. But more importantly than his penalty minutes is the fact that I don't know who wants to deal with him off the ice. I mean, he can promise all he wants that he'll behave and that he's turned a new leaf. But at the same time, how can you believe that? The sure amount of negative news that has come out about Evander Kane just in the past calendar year. And this is not anything new. But just the amount of news and amount of different stories of him doing, I don't want to say nefarious things because I feel like that's a bit... Uh, It's a bit extreme, but doing things that do not look good, doing things that alienate your teammates, that put your teammates in a bad position, and having to answer questions about you and what you do away from the rink and how that affects them. It's not what you want in a locker room. Hence the reason I feel like he's never going to get back into the San Jose locker room. Like I mentioned, he was placed on waivers. I'm pretty sure he cleared He's going to report on Tuesday, which is today, to the AHL San Jose Barracuda. I believe he said he would play because he wants to play in the NHL. He wants to get back to playing. He wants to put it behind him and get back to what he loves, which is the game of hockey. And also what he what he's getting paid to do. I mean, $7 million a year, four years. That's what's left on his current contract. The Sharks are looking to possibly retain salary, which helps. But again, I still don't know who is going to take those off-ice issues. You start with a fake COVID vaccine card. That's not a good look in today's society. It's not a good look in today's world. He served his suspension for that. The NHL has handed out his suspension for that. So that should theoretically be in the rear view. But people can't just forget that. Like, they're not going to just be like, okay, well, he served 21-game suspension, so that's all right. Not in today's society. No, you're not going to forget that. And even if that was it, that's a hard thing to swallow. But also, in this past calendar year, he was accused of betting on his own games. Something that has kept even the best in baseball, Pete Rose, out of the Hall of Fame. Those accusations were not substantiated. He was not suspended for that. The NHL investigated it. They cleared him of it. But he's come out and said, you know, I do have a gambling problem. You know, I've, I've, I've been bankrupt. Everybody knows that. That's a story from a couple years ago that Evander Kane... De- declared bankruptcy and filed for bankruptcy. So there's an issue. There's also the issue that he was accused of domestic assault from his estranged wife. Now, that was also not substantiated. The NHL stated literally, quote, could not be substantiated. So he's cleared of that. But again, these are issues that whether or not they actually happened, his name ends up in the news and it turns into a distraction. Sorry, English. So who's going to take a bet on him? Who's going to take a flyer on him? I mean, the guy scores goals. 
I think somebody eventually is going to. Do I think that the return is going to be what a perennial 20-goal scorer should get? No, there's no way in God's green earth that he's going to fetch that. But as of right now, they're looking for a trade. We'll keep an eye on it, see if Evander Kane makes his way back into the NHL. I'll tell you one team that definitely should stay away, and that's the, the Chicago Blackhawks. You don't need any more negative press. I was on the Grit and Barrett podcast doing a quarter poll mark. Talk about the NHL because it is at the quarter poll mark, and we might do something like that either Friday or next Tuesday where we talk about a lot of big storylines, a lot of big surprises, positively and negatively, because there's been a lot in the National Hockey League. But he asked me, uh, you know, are the Blackhawks going to, what is the phrasing he used? He said, are the Blackhawks going to, like, fix their image or something like that? It was very late last night that we recorded. And I said, no, you're not going to fix your image this year. That's going to be a long process. And definitely wouldn't help if you brought in a guy like Evander Kane. Definitely wouldn't wouldn't help. So I would think that the Chicago Blackhawks are out on Evander Kane. If we can say anything clearly, it's probably that. But we'll keep an update on the Evander Kane situation. We'll keep an update on all these situations. The Habs, GM job, what Matt Murray does in Ottawa, and as well as Evander Kane. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, you know, let's talk about the first quarter of the season for the New York Islanders, shall we? I feel like it's been very disappointing, and I'm sure Islanders fans can agree. We'll be right back. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I wanted to talk here at the quarter poll of the season, which we're going to do a lot of that over the next week, discussing teams at the quarter mark, players at the quarter mark. And we have two here in this episode, and if you're on YouTube, there's going to be this video and another one. But on this one, let's talk about the New York Islanders, a team that I finally jumped on the bandwagon, all right? fans on Long Island, I finally jumped on the bandwagon, so I might have broken it. I might have broken it. It's been a really awful start to the season for the New York Islanders. I mean, you're a quarter of the way through the year, and your team is in dead last in the Metro. Your team is in 30th 
out of 32 teams in the NHL, it's not been a good start. And they're also currently shut down on COVID. I should also mention that. Over eight players that would be ineligible to play in games. Not a good start to the season for the Islanders. There's still time. Don't worry. There is still time. But let's discuss what we've seen thus far from the team from Long Island. Obviously, they started the year on an NHL-long 13-game road trip. And you know what? Actually, before I even get into all of this, let me mention that I did talk about this, I believe, last week. And either that or a week before. And I said, you know what? The Islanders, they'll turn it around, right? They'll turn it around. They're going to be home. They're going to get right at UBS Arena. They're excited to get their new home, get into their digs, and, and not be on the road for as long. Well, I said that. And I still believe they'll get right. I still believe they're going to contend for a playoff spot this year. But after saying that, they did lose all four games at UBS Arena. And then they got the COVID shutdown. So since I even said that, and I doubled down on my backing of the New York Islanders, it's just gone from bad to worse because at least you can give the excuse that, hey, they were at the tail end of a 13-game road trip. Longest road trip to start an NHL season. It's going to be tough for any team. Okay, yeah, you could say that. Then you lose all four games at UBS Arena to start the season. You lose 5-2 to two to Calgary. You lose to the New York Rangers. You get shut out by the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you get shut out by the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's not a good start. Not great, Bob. So, with that in mind, the New York Islanders right now, in their COVID shutdown, are sitting there with an eight-game losing streak. One of the longest losing streaks in, what, the past decade? It's the longest losing streak in in over a decade, I believe, for the New York Islanders, if not just under, like nine years or something like that. You don't, it's not a good thing, but it's especially not a good thing when the rest of your season thus far has been kind of subpar. (laughs) That's why you see them sitting at 5, 10, and 2. It's not a great start. We say everybody's at the quarter pole. The Islanders are not because of, obviously, the COVID issues. But weirdly enough to say, is this... Kind of a blessing in disguise for the Islanders. I mean, you never want to say COVID is, and you hope that all of those players get well soon. You hope that they all deal with minimal, minimal side effects of the COVID-19 variant that they have, whichever one they have, Delta, Omega, Alpha, whichever one we're on now. But at the same time, this is a chance for everybody that's not having COVID to take a seat, take a step back, and, and just say, all right, we need to turn this around. We're at the quarter mark of the season. We cannot continue to play this bad throughout the next quarter of the season. And I don't think they will. Again, let me let me make sure it's perfectly clear. This team is going to contend for a playoff spot this year. They just are. It's what Barry Trotz teams do. They hang around. They haven't hung around up to this point, but I'm sure they'll go on a run. Is there a possible reason, though, that they are this bad to start the season? I think there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons to me that they've started this bad. Could it be a cupless hangover? Possibly. We always say, hey, maybe somebody has a Stanley Cup hangover. They went the whole way to the Stanley Cup finals. They won the darn thing. Maybe they'll have a Stanley Cup hangover to start the year. We talked about it with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They didn't get off to a hot start. We're like, you know, back-to-back Stanley Cups, that's a lot of hockey to play, especially with the weird off-seasons that we've been having. It hasn't been really a full off-season. So... It's a little weird. So maybe the Tampa Bay Lightning had a Stanley Cup hangover, and since then, they're playing a little bit better. Have we ever stopped to think that, you know, the Islanders have played almost as much hockey as the Tampa Bay Lightning? And if you factor in the way they play the game, 
they might have had just as much wear and tear, if not more, than the team that's won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Think about the way that Barry Trotz demands his team play. Think about the way that Lou Lamorello demands his team play. And trust me, hands off that and hats off to these guys because they play that game. Night in and night out, they play that game whether or not they are physically able to or not. And they have done that for the past couple years. Hence the reason they've made it to the Stanley Cup semifinals the last two years only to lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So could it be a cupless hangover? They played a lot of hockey the past two seasons. They have. Okay? They did that. Think about the fact that it is very difficult to play the style of play that Barry Trotz asks. It's hard on the body. That might also be a factor. And then again, factor in a 13-game road trip at the start of the season, traveling all over God's creation, waiting for UBS Arena to be ready. And yeah, did they get right when they got back to UBS? No, but it, it might have taken a little while. You know, it might take a little while after a 13-game road trip and back-to-back -back runs to the Stanley Cup semifinals to catch your breath with these weird off-seasons as well. You know, in, in, in some of those games, they started to miss players for COVID. I mean, Friday, I believe they were missing Pelic and Pulak, so they're a top defense pairing, which is part of their main identity. Losing Zidane Chara, losing Brock Nelson, who's been probably one of their best offensive players this year. And just looking down the line, I mean, Anthony Beauvillier is dealing with stuff. You have just basically so many players on that team that have been unavailable. And even when they're, they are available, who knows how comfortable they are, how ready they are, how, how much they are at. Are they at 100%? I would argue the fact that, well, at this point of the season, probably nobody is. But I would say the Islanders wear and tear. I mean, you also look at their advanced age. They're one of the oldest teams in the NHL. I would say it's probably pretty hard on them. Probably been pretty hard on them to start the season. So they're 5-10-2. Only two games were postponed due to the COVID-19 issues that they've been having. But this might be a chance for the players that don't have COVID to get right. Okay, we need a break. It's going to be like a week break. Let's sit back. Let's take stock. Let's figure out what we're doing wrong. And let's get back out there when we come back from the COVID issues. And we start to build on it. We start to climb the standings. I do believe, I mean, this hasn't been meteorically bad start to the season. It does not get worse than this for the New York Islanders. It can't be. There's no way that it can get worse than this for the New York Islanders. Eventually, they'll get their first win at UBS Arena. Eventually, the fans at Belmont Park won't have to boo the team out of the building after a game. And eventually Barry Trotz is going to get his team right because that is what happens. Death taxes and Barry Trotz getting his team to play well later into the season. It's what we see. It's only a quarter of the way through the season. They can turn this ship around. Now you you hope if you're the, the Islanders that all of those players, all those eight players that might have been ineligible come back and are able to just not have as many lasting effects. We still see some players across the league that have caught COVID this year, even if they're vaccinated. They struggle when they step back into the lineup because it's hard to get your conditioning up to par with what it was before the virus hit them. So we'll see what happens with that. The Islanders, as a team, I, I expect them to be back. I said this the last time I talked about it. I'll say it again. I mean, this team is too good to not make it 
to the postseason, or at least not sniff the postseason. I know it's a tough division. I mean, you look at Washington. We'll talk about Ovechkin coming up. You'll look at the Carolina Hurricanes. You'll look at the Rangers. The Penguins are turning things around. And then you have the Flyers and the Devils that are tough to beat. And you have the Blue Jackets who are overperforming at this point. They're outpunting their coverage. But you have to expect that at some point, the New York Islanders are going to be able to turn things around. Their first game back will be on Thursday. As of right now, they're scheduled still to play on Thursday against the San Jose Sharks at UBS Arena. So we'll see how they do when they step back into the ring against a team that, you know, the Sharks have kind of overperformed this year. Young team. We talked about them in the first segment with Evander Kane. So we'll see what the Islanders can do out of that. So their next, wow, they come out of the COVID break, and I, I mentioned that they might be worn out. They come out of the COVID break, they have three games in four days. They have the Sharks at home on Thursday. Then they have the Islanders on the road on Saturday night. Then they have the Blackhawks at home on Sunday night. So they're not playing the juggernauts of the league. They are playing some teams in the Sharks and the Red Wings that have played some pretty good hockey. Blackhawks are starting to turn it around. So we'll see what the Islanders can do this weekend. We'll keep an eye on them. And maybe we'll check back for, I believe, what is the third straight episode next Tuesday. I'm going to take one more quick break. But when I return, we're going to talk about Alex Ovechkin. We're going to talk about the grade eight. You know we're going to talk about Alex Ovechkin. I've given him props this year, but I haven't given him enough. And that's what we're going to do in the last segment of this show. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. I believe right now we're doing an NFL special, where if you bet on one team and they score a single freaking point, you get $100 in free bets. I mean, how can you beat that? Again, promo code THPN at sign up at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. But let's finish off this show talking about the grading. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, which if most of you know your geography, that means I grew up a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. <laughs> grew up not liking Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals very much, but I have outgrown that a little bit. You know, I, I still get a little sickened when the Penguins lose to the, to the Capitals. I still have that visceral reaction. But you know what? Now that I cover the whole league, and now that I've kind of grown a little bit, I, I lose a little bit of my hatred for certain things. I don't mind Tom Brady as much as a Steelers fan. I don't mind Alex Ovechkin as much. I, I still have more of a visceral reaction about the Philadelphia Flyers. Sorry, Philly fans. But I always said, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due, and you got to give credit to Alex Ovechkin. He, he's chasing down Wayne Gretzky. He's He's making strides, and coming into this year, we said, you know what? He might do it. Now I'm saying he will do it. I think I said it last year, but I'm definitely saying it this year. He's going to pass Wayne Gretzky. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And you want to know why I'm so confident? Because the guy has 19 goals already on the season. <laughs> not only does he have 19 goals, and we've talked about that. I mean, the guy 
He's already passed Marcel Dion and Brett Hall to become the fourth highest scoring player in the history of the NHL, goals-wise. So think about that. We're a quarter of the way through the season. He's passed two Hall of Famers in Marcel Dion and Brett Hall. Just, hi bye. We're done. We're done here. Get out of my way. Now he's he's chasing down Yarmir Yager. It's gonna be easy. This is this is child's play for him. He's gonna pass three of the greatest goal scorers of all time in one season easily. He's making child's play of this season right now. I mean, he's he is absolutely stunning the amount of goals that he is scoring. 19 on the year right now. But that's not the story that I wanted to talk about. That's not the Alex Ovechkin portion that I want to talk about. Yeah, he's scoring goals at a commensurate rate at an advanced age. Sure. But you know what? We expected Alex Ovechkin to be a 30-goal scorer, probably tickle the 40-goal mark. He might get 50 now. <laughs> We're at a quarter of the part through the season, so he's on pace for, I don't know, 80? Something like that. Close to 80, 70 goals, 80 goals. Yeah, he's going to slow down. Everybody's going to slow down. Leon Dreisel is not going to finish with 160 points. And that's actually interesting that I mentioned him because that's why I wanted to talk so much about Alex Ovechkin today. I said on an episode a couple weeks ago, ignorantly, I might add. I mean, to be fair, it was prior to the week that Alex Ovechkin had last week. But I feel ignorant that I said the Art Ross Trophy is out of reach for anybody not named Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid. I said that. And I believe, for the most part, it's out of reach for 98% of the NHL. I mean, it's those two. But it's also Alex Ovechkin. He is right there when it comes to point scoring. Not just goal scoring, but point scoring. We're looking at a year that, as of right now, Alex Ovechkin is in the race... For the Art Ross, he's in the race for the Rocket Richard. And genuinely, genuinely, if he continues this pace, I like what Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are doing, but there's no way you don't give Alex Ovechkin the Hart Trophy. If you're at the quarter mark, you're saying, hey, who's the Hart Trophy winner? It's Alex Ovechkin. It really is. You look at the injuries that the Washington Capitals have faced. I mean, they haven't even had Nicholas Backstrom for a single game. One of their historically best players in their franchise. And, not to mention, Alex Ovechkin's center. And, uh, yeah, they just don't have him. So, to be fair, I mentioned this whole fact of nobody's going to catch McDavid, nobody's going to catch Dreisaitl this year. Prior to Alex Ovechkin going off in three games played, scoring four goals and three assists for seven points. Definitely helps the old points per game whenever you do that in a week. He gets the NHL's first star of the week last week. And... He now sits at 37 points. More than Connor McDavid. Three behind Leon Dreisaitl. We've always said he has the shooting ability. And he scored from several different ways. And he scored from seven different spots. Different spots. Again, English is very difficult early in the morning. But the one thing that he's been doing. That he started to do a little bit more of. But he's never done at this pace. Is dish the puck. It seems like when Nicholas Backstrom was like, hey, I'm going to miss the beginning of the season, Alex Ovechkin's like, oh, that's fine. I've been able to do what you do all my career. I've just chose not to. The guy is an assist machine. The one that I saw live was an absolutely beautiful pass from Ovechkin to, I believe, for Hervari when he scored against the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
It's one of the most pretty passes, I think. And he made it look easy. It was one of the most pretty passes I think I've seen all season. And he made it look like child's play. He's making the NHL look like child's play right now. Like I said, 37 points in 22 games. That is good for second in the National Hockey League, only behind the ungodly Leon Dreisaitl. And beyond all that, the Washington Capitals, without the services of Nicholas Backstrom, without the services of TJ Oshie, they lost the services of Anthony Mantha for a while. They're the top team in the National Hockey League. The last time I checked, that was before last night's action. I'll double check that. But I'm pretty sure nobody last night would have passed them. So they're the top team in the National Hockey League as of right now. And they are. 33 points. They're 14-3-5. Led by the captain. Led by the grade 8. Like I mentioned, he should be considered the favorite for the Hart Trophy right now. And it should not be close. It really shouldn't. Not only that, sometimes things are bigger than team success. I know a lot of people are going to say that's the wrong thing to say. You know, team success above all, Stanley Cups overall. And right now, when you have a chance to chase down one of Wayne Gretzky's greatest records, all-time goals leader in the NHL, that is a huge accomplishment. And Ovi is, what, under 150 goals away now? That comes close to being above the team aspect of the game. And we've even asked our buddies at the Caps Chirp, Polly Cupcakes and Hockey Troll. They covered the Washington Capitals for the Hockey Podcast Network. We asked them, you know what? Would you rather see Ovi break the record? If you could pick one, would you rather see Ovi break the record or the Caps win another cup in his era? And they said, listen, we have our cup. I want to see Ovi break the record. Both of them said that. So clearly... Not only are we keeping track of his Hart Trophy bid right now, which he should be the favorite, we're keeping track of the President's Trophy race, which right now they are leading. We're keeping track of the Art Ross Trophy race, which he is three points off of the back of Leon Dreisaitl. We're also keeping track of the fact that he's chasing down three greats right now, and one of them he's going to make child's play of. He is 17 goals back from Yarmir Yager for third all-time. So by the end of this season, and this is, you can take it to the bank, Yarmir Yager is going to be supplanted as the third all-time goal scorer by Alex Ovechkin. He's going to make child's play of those 17 goals. He might score them before the trade deadline. I'm trying to be conservative there because I'm trying to think of the NHL schedule at this point. But you have to imagine he's going to score eight or nine in December. He'll probably do it by the end of, you know, he'll probably do it by the Olympics at the beginning of February. He'll probably have passed Yarmir Yager at that point for third all-time. All that's left then is Gordie Howe, who he'll probably pass next season, and then Wayne Gretzky. Give it two to three more years. Especially if he's on this pace, which, I mean, you never think that he's going to be on this pace for the whole time, but certainly outpacing what we expected from Alex Ovechkin. I don't know why we doubted him, but I uh, I said that I was going to give him a little bit more props, and I have, but let's just think about the fact that not only is he... One of the most dangerous goal scorers. He's going to fight for that Rocket Richard this year. He's right up there. And Art Ross. I want to just I wanted to just amend my comment from a couple weeks ago that nobody is going to touch Leon Dreisettle and Connor McDavid. Alex Ovechkin's past McDavid at, as of right now. And he's sneaking up on Leon Dreisettle with his performance the past couple of weeks. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our talk about everything from coast to coast. All the waiver claims, all of the waiver players, and 
Also talking about Bergevin earlier. Talked about the quarter pole mark for the New York Islanders and Alex Ovechkin. And we'll talk more on Friday where we will have our third edition of NHL Power Rankings. We're heading into December. We're getting into the dog days of the hockey season. The cold, brisk December and January months of the NHL season. That's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys on Friday. Have a good week, pen, or hockey fans. Have a good week, hockey fans. That's, that's what I meant to say. <laughs>